power on. And now for another fast-breaking news story, we go to our roving reporter. The podcast, Sovereign Tech. Its host, Dr. Brian Sovereign. The tech giants tried to stop Sovereign Tech. They can't. It is time for some Sovereign Tech. And the golden saying, the man of tomorrow, Savzu, the rated R radio star. Well, we've got a couple of subjects to get into. Big ones. And I could really title this episode as stay away from the clouds or more particularly the cloud, uh, which boy, you know, I wish that was a buzzword that just never took off. And I wish everybody, every time they hear that, that they'd look at it and look up at the sky or, you know, or they, they'd hear it and they just look up at the sky, kind of like Rocky does in Creed and just like, what, what clouds, what are you, doing? <laughs> you know, but we are going to get into two subjects here that other than both being in the cloud, as it were, may not seem related, but I think they are. And I think it's important to talk about them in the same breath. First, we're going to talk about, we're, we're going to get into the whole iCloud scandal with CSAM, and we'll explain what that is, uh, as well as, you know, not just what's happening with iCloud, but also with iMessage. Then we are going to discuss Windows 365 the desktop as a service windows in the cloud. What does that mean? What does it entail? Is it the future? Maybe we'll talk about it, but before we get into that, I want to uh, implore you that if you appreciate what sovereign tech does from the important matters, like we're going to discuss in this episode to the good times, perhaps that we have with sovereign at the movies or tie fighter renegades or Go down the list of the episode, whatever it ends, you know, whatever the bonus episode, whatever it ends up being. Um, if you appreciate what Sovereign Tech brings out there to the thousands and thousands of you uh, and keeps growing every month, uh, that really is information, I think, that you hear nowhere else, opinions that you hear nowhere else, coverage that you get, unlike any other, a truly independent voice, then I want to implore you to donate to the show. I don't do these drives often, uh, but this is a time of year where it certainly would help out the show quite a bit. And as always, we're working on getting sovereign tech up to that next level, wherever that happens to be, but we're always going up, not even forward. We're playing above everything, right? We're always going up. And so if you want to help out the show, uh, it would mean so much to me. Uh, I've already put out the request in the telegram group. And some have helped help there. And I'm endlessly thankful without listeners like you, this show just would not go round and round. And I'm deeply appreciative to everyone that uh, still donates on Patreon that donates via Podbean, that donates via buy me a coffee. But if you want to help out the show right now uh, you can, it's always in the show notes where you can donate to the show. Uh, PayPal is no longer an option. Um, I have been banned twice now, uh, from PayPal with two separate accounts. So, 
you know, some have liked to use that in the past. Unfortunately, that is no longer an option. Ironically, PayPal owned Venmo is an option and you can donate to at B sovereign. So that's just the letter B is in Brian and then sovereign S O V R Y N. That's the handle at B sovereign. This information is in the show notes as well, or uh cash app, which is just the cash symbol. And then sovereign S O V R Y N. I've become a big fan of the, of, of cash app, uh, over the past year, um, their stance with crypto and being so supportive of Bitcoin is a phenomenal thing. Uh, they have a lot of other options. They're, they're not a sponsor of the show. Um, not that I'd be against that, but big fan. I mean, we need options outside of PayPal. We need options that take crypto seriously. Uh, and really, I mean, cash app is in some ways, I mean, it's not the best of all worlds, but in some ways in comparison to other, uh, money transmitters, it's the best of all worlds. Um, a lot of options there. So just cash symbol sovereign, if you want to donate that way. And of course there is the, uh, the Bitcoin address is always in the show notes. Make sure you get the latest one that ends with four, three as of this recording. And again, anything you can do, uh, right now would be a massive help with getting the show where it needs to go. Um, and with supporting, uh, the message that I, Dr. Brian sovereign and all involved with sovereign tech, uh, get to put out there. So my thanks in advance, uh, again, cash app, Venmo, Bitcoin. If there was some other way you wanted to, to donate to the show, you can always email me questions at sovereigntech.com, And I'm more than happy to make that happen. And I cannot tell you how many times in the near 10 year history of the show that the listeners have really, you know, like really, you know, kept me, uh, going, kept this rare message of personal freedom in tech going. And th there's really no other show. I mean, th there's shows out there that, you know, kind of hint at it or whatever, but I don't really know any other show that has the reach of sovereign tech, you know, that gets it out there. And it's more important than ever for it to be out there. Um, and you're going to, and I think this episode is actually going to prove the point because I mean, fortunately, and we might as well get into it, but again, so Bitcoin Venmo cash app, it's all in the show notes to find it. Um, and I thank you so much in advance. This episode in particular is, you know, I, I don't know what to, there's a part of me that, that I kind of feel like I don't know what to do because this is what happened with iCloud is, you know, like Sovereign Tech's been warning about that for years, that it was just a matter of time that this is going to happen. And, you know, like, I, I don't want to just come on here and say, I told you so, but I can say that. I really wish I wasn't. I mean, again, I'm a long-term optimist, but in the short term, I'm absolutely a pessimist. Do I think that we're living in a technological dystopia? Oh yeah. Does, are these two news stories that I'm going to talk about more proof of that? Oh yeah. Because both of these stories chalk up to a lack of privacy and a lack of ultimately of control of your own control over your own data, your own shit. So I want to start this off with talking about what is happening with iCloud. Um, the short version is that Apple will now be scanning on device for what is known as uh, CSAM, 
That's C-S-A-M, child sexual abuse materials. Uh, particularly on iOS devices, though I'm sure if it's not happening with macOS, it's just a matter of time. Um, and to be clear, and this is this is something that that had just come out, you know, or that that for a lot of people had just come out recently. Uh, with email, you know, if you are using a Apple uh, email address, right, like I, iCloud.com, uh, and I'm sure it's still true for me.com and any other ones that Apple has had over time. Um, they were already scanning Apple email addresses. You know, the, the email address you get when you buy an iOS device, right? They're already scanning those for CSAM since 2019. And when we say CSAM, particularly, I mean, it's pictures. That's kind of what this, this, the big deal here is all about, but it's pictures in the form of a hash. And we'll explain that. Um, and I mean, you already know probably a lot of where I'm going to go with this, right? That being anytime you roll out the canard of child pornography, child abuse, etc. Okay. N which no one here is saying that those things aren't real. It's just the easiest, most convenient excuse that corporatism, because hey, it's not just the government. It's also Apple, the corporation. So that's corporatism because they're working together. It is the, it's the easy excuse that corporatism likes to banty out to get you to accept some new form of tyranny or, you know, some new form of loss of control or loss of privacy. And I'll say this at the top that I am impressed and surprised that we've gotten to the point in 2021 where even mainstream uh, uh, tech journalists, podcasters, whatever, recognize that this argument of child pornography of, you know, like, oh, we got to do this to protect the kids and blah, blah, blah. Like even they know now it's a canard. Okay. Like it's an excuse. It's an excuse to allow, you know, for really looking for other things. Maybe they feel like they can't use terrorism anymore though with what's going on in Afghanistan right now, who knows when that's going to, you know, that boogeyman's going to come back, which itself was created by the United States, but Anyway, don't want to get lost on that conversation, at least not right now. Um, I'm impressed that like, you know, even that journalists or at least, you know, journalists that are doing more than just regurgitating a press release uh, are readily coming out and saying, you know, that, that, oh yeah, child, right. Child porn or child protection. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. You know, they, they know that that's a crap excuse that it is about just bringing in, uh, you know, more, more surveillance. And I'm pleased about that because you used to have to, I used to have to, uh, you know, and, and anybody else talking about this subject would have to do the huge caveat of, no, I don't agree with pedophilia and et cetera, et cetera. And of course I don't, I think it's deplorable. Um, you know, I'm not defending anybody who's engaged in pedophilia or child pornography and blah, blah. Like you'd have to go down this huge, you know, disclaimer, so that you could finally come out and say, Hey, this is a slippery slope. Guess where this is going to go. I think we're to the point where that doesn't have to be done anymore. And now we can just talk about the technology itself instead of what are the proposed uh, applications. Now this was this plan for Apple to scan 
uh, photos getting uploaded to iCloud or being sent to iMessage. Uh, this was leaked a few days before I think they're ready to talk about it. It is something that is planned for uh, full implementation on day one of the release of iOS 15, which new versions of iOS, you know, big number versions, usually in September. So we can expect it to come then. Um, but what is going on here? What is, what, what's, what is this? And, and there was a full announcement, a six page document around it. What is it? So there are actually two stories here and there was a lot of those two stories got convoluted quite a bit, uh, incorrectly. That doesn't take away from anything that people are up in arms about or mad about, uh, with this, which was the other, the second thing that impressed and surprised me, uh, which is security researchers almost across the board recognize that this is a terrible thing like that. This should not be done. Um, now, so what's happening here? Okay. So you have CSAM, right? Which is again, child sexual abuse material. Uh, it is a, the Apple is implementing a detection system that will cross identify hashed versions of photos that you back up to iCloud specifically that you back up to iCloud or that you send via iMessage. Okay. Those are the two separate things. The, the blurring out of messages on iMessage, but then also, uh, you know, the uploading to iCloud. But again, this is there, you know, both, both different ideas are using the same database to, to, to access. So there is a database that's, uh, uh kept by the national center for missing and exploited children and CMEC. Okay. That has hashes, which is like a, a numerical value that's generated by, you know, the unique properties of any photo. Um, so you're not actually seeing the photo, at least not at that stage, but you're seeing the hash of it. Does that hash match what's in the NCMEC's MEC's database of child pornography? If it is, and again, this, this is happening on device, the moment that your device, your iOS device, and actually I, it is true for Macs as well. Like I, at first I was like, wait, was this true for Macs? It is. And then it, it will send when it goes up to, you know, in that process before going up to iCloud, it goes through this CSAM scanning process. And if your, if the hash of an image that someone is uploading to iCloud matches with the NCMEC's database, then an Apple employee will get into your iCloud. Okay. Take a look at the photo, see what it is. And if they find that it is child pornography of some type or, you know, material that's on this database, they will then inform the authorities. Okay. I don't know what that process looks like. If they talk to the NC, uh, NCEMC first or whatever, I don't, I don't know how any of that goes, but they will effectively get in touch with the authorities. will probably shut down your account. Um, the idea that there would be human review first was not when, when this, when the initial announcement came out, that was not a part of the program, or at least that was not made clear. Um, I think some people felt a little bit better about it because what if there's like somehow a false positive, you know, I, I mean, cause there's, there's issues with hashes of images in the first place, um, that, that, that gets into a whole other technical problem, but it does speak to how this is a dangerous practice in the beginning, you know, at the get go. Um, even though they want to say that they're protecting your privacy with these hashes, eh, 
We'll talk a little bit about that. But some people did feel a little bit better that, okay, no, there would be human review before the authorities would get in touch. Because otherwise, then if you had something that matched the hash in the NCMC uh, database, your account would just get shut down out of nowhere and you'd you'd have to like appeal and who knows what even that would look like. In fact, probably the cops would be at your door right away. So people were very understandably terrified of this, right? Because again, the hashes aren't perfect, Um, but let's keep going. So that's the process for uploading photos to iCloud. Now, the other new uh, technology that Apple is implementing has to do with iMessage, where similar process scanning for hashes of images sent through iMessage. Um, and if the hash matches and it's sent to a known child, okay. Um, you know, a child user of an iOS device or an Apple device, um, then the, uh, photo would be blurred. Okay. In iMessage and there would be options to report this sort of thing. And so the iMessage thing, I mean, okay, look, you know, doing something like, is there a problem with child pornography and should something be done about it? Sure. Is this the direction to go? No, because it's not striking at the root. Okay. Of the problem. And that's getting into psychological issues, not the purview at all of Apple. Okay. But before you think I'm sidestepping solutions here, we'll get into solutions around this. Okay. But the solutions are based around your privacy and control of your data. All right. So the iMessage thing, you know, the two got very, again, they got very convoluted and people came to conclusions that were a lot scarier. This is still a problem. Okay. But we're a lot scarier when combined with, you know, like scanning iMessage and doing all this other stuff, which wasn't exactly the case. So we're concentrating more on the, you know, on the iCloud end of this, okay. On the uploading to iCloud end, the, I, the deal with, with iMessage, look, what were you doing? Trusting iMessage in the first place. Okay. I can't even think of the time where I said, use iMessage. I've never said that. Okay. Now a big part of with either story that people are freaking out about that, like everybody's kind of freaking out about comes from a lot of people buying Apple products because of their supposed stance on privacy. And I get that this feels contradictory, right? Regardless of how Apple's setting it up. And we will talk about that. I mean, we already, you know, kind of talked about what it was, you know, how it's doing it, you know, using the hashes of photos. So that way, you know, they could say, well, we're not actually looking at your photos. We're just looking at hashes. Yeah. But if the end result is, you know, uh, uh, legal quote unquote legal force can come down on you. What does it matter if you're looking at the actual photo or not? Right. Uh, the threat is the same. So, you know, how you're doing it is inconsequential. Now, Apple's claim is that they basically had to do this. Okay. Um, and frankly, <laughs> we should get this out very early. Apple's not the only one doing this. Everyone else, like Microsoft, Amazon, Google, they've all been doing this already for years. Here's the rub, though. Like we said earlier, we found out that, you know, Apple has also already been doing this, but only in email. I wonder about that, though, because so Apple's anti-fraud chief, uh, Eric Friedman, said um, back in 2020 that 
his claim was, is that Apple was, let's see, the greatest platform for distributing child porn. Now there's a weird, there's a weird thing in that. There's a weird thing in that statement, which is that was, that statement was made in 2020, but this technology hasn't been implemented yet. So how would Eric Friedman know that if Apple wasn't already doing this? Now, the explanation could be as simple as, well, we were already doing it via email, and so we know. Um, but I, we don't have any clarity on this. And this was from a highly confidential document that Eric Friedman had made that statement, or that we were able to pull that statement. Um, but that, that's just strange. So, I mean, it's already going on, right? And, you know, a big problem here is that iCloud automatically uh, is turned on by default. So even though you only get like five gig of iCloud storage, um, most people don't even think to turn that off. And so as soon as you start, you know, downloading photos or taking photos or whatever you're doing, it starts uploading to, you know, to iCloud. Uh, I find that statement to be suspect. And so did some Apple employees, according to the confidential documents that it was pulled from, uh, like, really you like, how, how are we that, you know, when, when you consider that Apple devices, Mac or iOS, like are not the most wildfire devices, you know, on the planet in comparison to windows PCs, you know, or Android devices. Right. Um, now this technology that, or the system, the CSAM system that, that is supposed to be privacy respecting using the hashes that Apple has implemented. Um, you know, no one's really gotten the chance. I mean, some people have looked at, at like the six page document and everything, and they see tons of problems with that. Um, but there have been others who have independently created similar systems and arguably it's the only way the system that can be done. These have been peer reviewed, um, who's, uh, Jonathan Mayer, I think developed it and he's gone on the record since Apple's announcement saying, I'll read his quote. Uh, we wrote the only peer reviewed, uh, publication on how to build a system like Apple's and we concluded the technology was dangerous. So these are two Princeton a academics that, that wrote this publication on how to do it this way, that Apple must be doing it in. Quote, our system could be easily repurposed for surveillance and censorship. The design wasn't restricted to a specific category of content. A service could simply swap in any content matching database and the person using that service would be done the wiser. Um, end quote. So now the researchers in further on in their statement, I think hint at what could be really going on here. Okay. Um, and we'll, we'll get to that and we'll get into what to do about this. Okay. And no, I mean, I've already told you don't buy iOS devices, you know, but people are still going to do it. Right. <laughs> so that's not going to be my, my solution that I'm going to give you. We're going to talk about it, you know, in a little bit here. Um, but this, you know, part of the issue here is when you consider like, say the Pegasus project, which I talked about in a recent episode, um, and where like the founder of telegram was, was apparently a target of that apparently, but the Pegasus project, uh, you know, is a system where you one of, <laughs> it's not the only one, but one of many systems that, uh, gets sold that allows, um, bad actors or nation state actors, really those are the same thing, but allows bad actors to get access to Android devices, iPhones, you know, and crack into them. So here's the easy problem, right? You can just inject, uh, you know, 
hashed material that has hashes that is, you know, that say is on the, the NCEMC database. Okay. So if you want to set somebody up, you can easily set them up and the authorities get called and it's over. And, you know, for a lot of people, I mean, and look, it doesn't have to be like, you don't have to set up, um, I don't know. You don't have to set up like other government officials or something like that. You could just set up journalists. And I mean, I can, I can only imagine having friends that are journalists. I can only imagine, you know, how screwed they would be if suddenly their, you know, their, their Apple account was shut down. Okay. Um, or again, consider that this type of scanning is being done by pretty much every tech giant. You know, what happens if you lost your Google account? What happens if you lose your Microsoft account? You know, I mean, or you just end up going to jail, right? <laughs> like, I mean, you're, and even, but just the disruption of losing your account, even temporarily while you, while you appeal, uh, you know, could cripple not just a person, but entire businesses, you know, if they lost access to this stuff over a couple of days. So that's just one example. I mean, there are so many ways to abuse this and you're ultimately just giving, um, one more Avenue for the legal system to say you've done something wrong. And that's just the thumb getting pushed on you even harder, you know, and it's just, it's again, it's more surveillance. Now, again, to be clear, this is being done on device. The argument that, so it's being done on device, not in the cloud. Um, other companies that are doing this are doing it in the cloud. Uh, are they doing it on device? I mean, hey, maybe, <laughs> you know, again, th that statement from Eric Friedman really makes it sound nasty that, or it lends one to believe this has been going on for a very long time. And now they're just being public about it. Um, but others are worried about the slippery slope here, meaning that, oh, now you'll allow on device scanning for this. What happens when they turn it into, you know, something more where, okay, now it's on device scanning, but it's not hashes anymore. Now we're just going to directly scan everything that's, that's there. Right. And then it turns into, oh, we've, we've got to check your messages on whatever app to make sure that, um, you know, to make sure that you're not sending anything bad. And, you know, we got to catch these child abusers. We've got to catch blah, that it just keeps going down that road. Now, again, Apple has already been doing this. Other tech giants have already been doing this. There is nothing new here. Now it's just open and we have some idea of what Apple like has in store, has in mind in this case. Now, what is actually going on here? What, what do I think? What does the golden stallion think Apple wants and why are they doing this? Okay. Um, I don't buy that. It has anything to do with child abuse. Uh, again, that's the canard that gets thrown out anytime a tech company or a government wants to get engaged, you know, involved in something like this. Um, I think that this ultimately has to do with China, meaning the Chinese market. Okay. This has to do with, if you want to, as a tech company, wherever you are in the world, minus China, if you want to do business with one of the largest untapped populations by the quote unquote West, okay. In the world, you have to give. Chinese government, the amount of control that they want and they will get it. Microsoft will show you their windows kernel. 
course, they'd also do that for the EU. Um, you know, Google will will make uh, make concessions on what shows up in search based upon the diktats of the Chinese government. Apple will be particular and play ball with whatever the diktats are of the Chinese government. Anything to allow them to sell their iPhones to the billion plus people in China, because they've just, for whatever fucking reason, we've just got to keep expanding. We've just got to keep expanding. We've got to sell more. We've got to sell more. We've got to sell more, no matter the cost, even if that cost is people's privacy and personal control of their data, at least, which, you know, equates now to, you know, their, their, their life, you know, considering how much you have to do or how people feel they have to do so much with their smartphone. So the initial end game here, though, every government on the planet is going to want to take advantage of this. The initial end game here is to increase the level of surveillance on the Chinese people by the Chinese government and by default also the Taiwanese people and give, you know, the Chinese government uh, greater control. Right. Um, I mean, you look at like the Hong Kong protests, you know, uh, you look at, I mean, and like this is essential to be able to do this kind of scanning. And again, it can go beyond, you know, just hashes of pictures. Right. And you can easily see where even like the picture thing, you can easily see where, okay, where is this getting uploaded to? We want to be able to scan as something gets uploaded and that way we can track who's, you know, who's taking this video, who's doing that, who's making the Chinese government look bad. Tensions are getting heightened in Taiwan right now, you know, between Taiwan and China. Being able to, you know, scan uh, what's being sent around on device. I, yeah, I mean, what, what, what government, I mean, they're all tyrannical. What government <laughs> wouldn't want that ability? you know, against its populace. And over the next few years, as China likely deals or the Chinese government likely deals with other rebellions um, and protests and, you know, call it what you will. Other governments around the world are going to take a look at that, see how that was done and say to Apple, Hey, I'd like a piece of that action too. I don't for a second think this has anything to do with child pornography. Nothing. In the short term, this has to do with the Chinese government. In the long term, this has to do with controlling everybody, being able to blackmail everybody, okay, or frame anybody, surveil anybody. That's the long term. So the two things I want you to take away from this before we get into solutions. This is not about child abuse or, you know, this is not about CSAM, right? This is, it's not about that. And Apple is no longer a privacy centric company. They're just not. Now, do I think, you know what? I mean, the stink has been thankfully, you know, uh, <laughs> It's been so stinky, <laughs> like it has risen to the heavens here um, from everybody. And like I'm really pleased with that, that, that people aren't hoodwinked anymore by this. Um, what do I think Apple's going to do? Like, how are they going to respond to this? Because uh, it seems pretty clear they didn't expect this. They didn't think it would go over like this. Well, 
maybe people are getting a little more educated and they're realizing when they're being lied to. I mean, the timing is horrible, which is why I, it, it must have to do, in my opinion, it has to do with, with, with the Chinese government wanting this. Um, because considering what's happened in the United States, you know, with the <laughs> civil war over, uh, over, uh, experimental injections, you know, I mean, just, in my limited communications with other people, and those are incredibly limited. Um, I already heard from, you know, five people. And again, you got to understand how little I talk to other people. <laughs> okay. At least in like in, in conversations. Um, I've already heard from five people that, that, that trashed their iPhone and went out and bought an Android phone, like just overnight, just like that. Um, because here, you know, I mean, you, you have, you have an entire element of the population and it's not just in the United States. It's in Australia. It's in London. It's, you know, France all over the place, thousands of people protesting, whatever, you know, um, about the legislation coming down around, uh, experimental injections that are being mandated or, you know, that, that are being required to access certain areas or whatever else, but, you know, encroaching on those people's privacy. I mean, they're going to flip. You know, <laughs> you could argue that maybe Apple doesn't want their business anyway, but I don't think that's true. So the timing really had to do with, in my opinion, some other country's timeline that was putting this requirement on Apple. Uh, Apple's playing ball. I'm not, I'm not saying that, oh, they were forced to. No, they weren't. You know, they can choose not to do business with other governments or with governments in general, but they just bend over and grab the ankles when a government comes a calling every single time, including San Bernardino. Thank you. They just couldn't do anything with the phone. It's not like they didn't want to hand the, you know, give all the information over to the FBI, just the FBI fucked it up. So this argument that Apple is a company that is privacy centric, is pure horseshit now. Okay. So that's what I want you to walk away from this. Now, what do you do about this? Yes, fine. You can do what the other people did and you could get rid of your iPhone. But if you're just going to go buy an Android phone and you're not like going so far as putting cyanogen, or not, <laughs> when you've been around this long, not putting lineage OS on, um, or, you know, graphene or whatever, you know, uh, like alternate, uh, ROMs, if you're not going to put those on, you're not really trading up in any way. Okay. Um, what you need to do and this is why I'm saying that, yeah, okay, I get the market statement you want to make by getting rid of an Apple device, but it's not really solving anything by going to another one. What you need to do is have these photos, okay, because the, the theory is that Apple or, or any of these other companies, most of the other companies, they're doing the scanning in cloud, okay, not on device, because that, again, that's a process that probably drains a device's, you know, uh, you know, takes up resources pretty good. Um, so with an, with an iOS device, what you want to do is just don't back up to iCloud or at least don't back up your photos to iCloud. You can choose theoretically what gets uploaded to iCloud. So you want to, what you want to do is set up your own server, right? You want to set up a NAS as we've been recommending on Sovereign Tech for years. There are NAS, you can buy NASs that are pre-installed. Everything's ready to go. You power them on and it just walks you through the process and it's pretty simple. Um, now to do it really right, you want to be more involved in the process of setting that up. You want to go with something like TrueNAS or NextCloud, you know, or whatever. Okay. Um, Synology, I still think is a, is a valid option to go with. 
um, on a security level, because frankly, a lot of times the hardware issues negate any privacy gains you may feel you get um, with, with certain companies. Okay. But regardless, you want to be backing up your, or, you know, don't back up your photos at all, you know, but you want to be, you want to take real control of where your data gets backed up to. If you're going to back it up at all, you can just turn off all the backups if you want. Okay. And you know, let's be clear here. All of us did just fine without tons of photos in storage, right? Like we, we existed, we, we, we lived off of our memories, uh, which maybe that's why people's brains are going because they're not putting anything in them, <laughs> but, <laughs> or if it is, it's meaningless. Um, but yeah, so either you can turn off the backups entirely or have a separate backup solution. Again, you know, go, putting them on Amazon's cloud isn't going to do you any better. Putting them on OneDrive isn't going to do you any better. Putting them on, on you know, in Google's, you know, uh, you know, putting them in Drive isn't going to, or Google Photos isn't going to do you any better. All of those services are doing the same thing, just at different checkpoints. Okay. You want to be doing it where they are getting stored on your own server or on your own device. That's the answer here. So set up an ass, or if you want to back them up, uh, back them up directly, you know, to a computer. Now, I mean, the issue there with an iOS device is that, you know, to, to really move anything, unless you're going to send it via messaging service to really move anything device to device with iOS, you have to have iTunes installed. And that connection is, has always been a real sore spot for me. The fact that, I mean, again, there's ways around it, but that you have to go through iTunes to like move files from your desktop, say your desk, your laptop over to your, to your iOS device. When you want to do it straight through USB, that's horseshit. So, I mean, there's still, you know, good options. If you do want to get away from iOS entirely and, you know, do it through, through Android where, you know, maybe you can have more direct connections. Certainly, you know, like there's, there's great options to go with that. If you're going to go with an Android device and you're really sweating this though, I want you to look into, you know, lineage OS, at least you can go further with even more hardened operate, you know, phone operating systems. Go ahead and go to a Linux phone. If you want, okay, go to a pine phone, even that fine, but just turn off the backups to iCloud entirely. Um, I mean, you know, it's really like the timing was horrible because so Apple also recently updated iCloud for windows where you can use iCloud. I mean, it already did this, but you can in windows, you can use iCloud as your password manager, man, like you would have converted a lot of people, I think over to having, you know, over to, to, to using iCloud more, especially after the last pass fiasco where, you know, they dropped their free tier more or less, or they, they significantly altered their free tier and a lot of people left it, went to Bitwarden or whatever else. Um, I think you could have converted a lot of people over to iCloud, you know, that, that are more windows users and, uh, you drop that ball because now that that feature is there, Ooh, you know, but, but then also iCloud is scanning all my shit. No, no thanks. What are they doing with my passwords? Yeah, I know they're putting them into a hash. Okay. But still, that's got to bother people. Okay. <laughs> so at the very least, stop using iCloud. Um, if you're, if you're using an iCloud email address, you really might want to reconsider that because that's already been getting scanned for CSAM and who knows what, uh, for, for years now. So Apple is not a privacy company. Apple is not a privacy company. I ever hear it. I mean, and look, the, 
problem is, is that they were claiming to be, they put it on their billboards. They spent millions, if not billions on billboards, you know, talking about, yeah. Oh, what happens on your iPhone stays on your iPhone. Yeah. Fucking right. I suppose theoretically, if I tell it to stay on my iPhone, but again, iCloud backup is on by default. You have turned off privacy by default, Apple. So we, I, I hope that's been made abundantly clear. Nobody is arguing uh, for using Apple products using, you know, using the privacy argument that that's just gone. That's the big win out of this. <laughs> okay. Is that, okay. We can, we can stop pretending that Apple somehow gives a shit about privacy. That can't be true anymore. So please, at the very least, if you're using their devices, at the very least, don't give them your data, your photos, whatever. Okay, back up to your own solutions, whatever those may be. Okay, whether it's your own, you know, like sync thing or something, or I don't even know if you can do that from iCloud or from iOS. I mean, I have an iOS device. I have an iPod here, you know, just to keep track of what Apple does. There are no fucking photos on that thing. Never will be, especially at this point. But again, at the very least, just upload them somewhere else. Okay. Don't trust Apple and stop telling people that Apple cares about your privacy. If you've somehow been saying that, stop it. All right. Now we're going to take a little break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about, we're going to flip the coin and talk about Microsoft just on the other side. I'll be right back with more Sovereign Tech. Woo! Hey, is Sovereign Tech not enough for you? Well, let me tell you about something you'll never get enough of. No, no, I mean it. We're talking about a radio show and podcast that goes all night long, seven nights a week, three hours a night, 365 days a year, and has been going since the early aughts, baby. I am talking about none other than Free Talk Live. It's the show you control. That's right. It's an open phones call-in show that is ready for you. And if you're worried that your voice isn't going to get heard, don't be. We are talking about the only libertarian radio show stateside. And not only that, it's also the number 26 talk show in the United States. Start listening now and go ahead and hit that massive back catalog at freetalklive.com. The Golden Stallion guarantees a good time. And you might even find some episodes with me on them when you do. That's freetalklive.com. And we thank them for sponsoring Sovereign Tech. Let's get back to the show. So on the eve of Windows 11 being released, that being this fall, predictions right now are October 2021, Microsoft kind of released another operating system. It's kind of another operating system. Though really right now, it's just Windows 10. But where is this installed? Not on your computer. And this is what was announced in July, that being Windows 365. Now the name of course comes from Microsoft 365, which used to be office 365 and which is pointing at this entire idea of your life being in uh, Microsoft's cloud. Of course, that being Azure. And yes, this is powered by Azure. Of course, Windows 365 is like I mentioned earlier, desktop as a service. So what this is, it is a, it is windows in a web browser tab 
that you can run essentially on any device, right? Because it's just a web browser tab. So as long as you can have that tab open, you're golden. You're using a full Windows 10 desktop experience. And I'm sure it'll be Windows 11 when that time rolls around. Because this is, uh, again, it's as a service. So that means there's a subscription fee. Um, and we didn't initially have the subscription fee. We had very few details at first. Um, just some like pretty pictures and video of how this really works. Um, of course, you've got people, you know, using Windows 10 on an iPad, right? Isn't that novel? Um, or, you know, whatever device. Again, it can work on anything with a web browser. Now, I want to get into some of the details around this and then talk about what it means and get into whether or not it should interest you, you know, and if you should use it. So the idea of in a web browser, having access to an entire desktop environment, okay. From multiple devices. Um, this is obviously an attractive thing to a lot of people. Now the difference here where it may not be so attractive to everyone that was into this sort of thing before, this is really a remote desktop, right? Which has been a technology that's been around for decades at this point. Um, maybe it's most popular and best implementation. Best not as in privacy, but best as in like easiest and efficient to use would be say Chrome remote desktop, right? Where if you have Chrome installed on a device, you can access that device. Like I could essentially, if I had Chrome on my windows machine and I have, um, you know, remote desktop set up on it and I have remote desktop on my, uh, smartphone on my Android smartphone, I could access my computer that has Chrome remote desktop on it. Right. And meaning I'm not just using Chrome, I'm using the entire windows OS. So this is a remote desktop. Here's the, here's the rub though, is that this desktop is not being run on any of your devices. It's all being run on Microsoft servers. Okay. That's the difference. Now there are differing fees, different tiers of this, depending upon what, you know, what level of power you want this virtual computer, you know, this virtual machine or virtual CPU, you know, how powerful you want it to be. Okay. Um, we'll get into some of the pricing here. I think one of the, uh, there, there's a low end configuration of you get one CPU. Okay. So you get like one core, two gig of Ram, 64 gig of storage, and that will cost you $20 per month. Okay. So $20 per month to use a piece of shit, single core, two gig of Ram, uh, 64 gig of storage machine. Does that make any sense? Not, not for the everyday user, but that's going to point at some, another fact here. Uh, let's take a look at something that might be a little more uh, of interest to people. So you could get, you could go more to the high end where you have eight CPUs or what you would call V CPUs, right? Virtual, you know, central processing units. Um, so you have eight cores with 32 gig of Ram. That's a little more like it and 512 gigabytes of storage, which for, you know, a modern, even laptop that's, that's on like the bare minimum end in my opinion. Um, but there you go. So what would that cost? That'll cost you $158 per month. Now, when you consider that a computer with those kinds of specs could be had for around $800, why would you want this? Right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, where, like where, where, where's the appeal? Well, as Microsoft has put it in their own words, windows 365 is about enterprise customers, not about the everyday consumer. They have said that they could imagine in the future consumers would be interested in this. So they're looking at that, but right now it's just not at that level. And clearly for the price, 
you know, I mean, it, for, for the cost of like three months of service, you could get a computer with those specs. Why would you get a virtual machine? Especially when for free, technically for, you know, no, for, or I shouldn't say for free for no dollar amount, you could run Chrome remote desktop and essentially do the same damn thing from any device that you have, iPad, Android phone, other computer, whatever. Now in the enterprise space, there, like you can make arguments for this, right? Um, and Microsoft has already, uh, just in the past or since windows 10 has been a thing has already tried to get enterprise customers on a subscription model for windows licenses. Okay. Where they pay, you know, whatever, $10 a user a month or something like, or some low fee. Um, and there are discounts involved with this where you can get as low as like $4 a user per month. Um, but where, yeah, where, where you would be paying for a subscription for a license, Microsoft clearly sees this as the future. And why? Because for office, which is, you can still buy it outright, but largely it's all about office 365, right? Or your Microsoft 365 account. It has been exponentially profitable for them since they moved to that model with office. But office is one thing, an entire operating system, whole other animal. Um, the attraction to this really comes down to you get for, for an enterprise, you know, for a business is that it gets you out of the hardware cycle, meaning that all you need is something, you know, a thin client that runs a web browser somewhat effectively. And then you can do everything. I mean, and you only need to run one tab, right? This does not require a powerful machine, but you're getting access to an incredibly powerful machine because you don't have to run, you know, like, you know, a lot of modern browsers are resource hogs. But again, you could just do all the actual web web browsing with multiple tabs in Windows 365, you know, on Microsoft's servers, not on the actual, you know, host, not on the actual thin client in front of you. Okay, so you only need one tab open. So very light on what's necessary. You just got to be able to run um, a web browser, you know. So hardware, you don't have to update hardware anymore when you're doing, you know, operating system refreshes or software refreshes or anything along those lines. You just need something that runs a web browser. So you're saving a lot of money on hardware as an enterprise. No doubt about that. The other part is that you are getting out, especially, I mean, it, Microsoft was really smart to announce this considering the ransomware issues that have been, you know, just so, so replete uh, throughout the past. I mean, to say nothing of 2021, say nothing, or I mean, you know, there's 2021, but then there's even all the years before then. Okay. So if you're letting Microsoft handle the security, which obviously they spend way more on security than, and they still fuck up by the way, but <laughs> even now outlook or even worse, you know, there's other, certainly plenty, there's a laundry list of issues we could bring up. Um, but security is then being handled by Microsoft and isn't so much a concern other than say, you know, key loggers and things like this, uh, you know, at your actual business. So that becomes attractive, right? Your IT team becomes significantly smaller, which is often an expensive part of business. So I think in the enterprise space, this is going to be a pretty attractive idea when you consider the, uh, heart, the lack of cost as far as hardware and hardware upgrades, right? Which is maybe what we're talking about. And you're also, you know, I mean, you, you really are like, I'm not saying that it's more private. It's not, but is this a more secure option than giving all of your workers, you know, a full on, uh, 
you know, general operating system uh, installed, you know, or a computer installed with the general operating system? Of course it is. So I get that. I don't agree. I don't think it's the best option for companies to go with. I mean, the best option is to get away from Windows entirely, right? And to go with operating systems that, you know, basically hire IT teams that can do their own, that can do your own rollout, uh, say of some variation, uh, you know, some, some Linux distro of some kind. And there certainly are plenty of companies going in that direction. Right. But I even worry there because a lot of those companies and governments as well, you know, part of the reason that they didn't want to, um, or that they were switching to Linux was because new versions of windows, their servers, and so on, we're requiring, you know, new hardware, like a major hardware upgrade. And so it just made more sense to go with say Ubuntu that doesn't require, um, you know, a Skylake or greater processor. This gets past all that though. Okay. Because now you can just install whatever you can run it on, whatever you can even give all your employees, old iPads, have them connect a Bluetooth keyboard and mouse and, um, you know, and have them just run, uh, this, you know, windows 365, uh, you know, in the web browser on an iPad. So, you know, and then, you know, we get into the security around iOS again, not privacy, but the security and yeah, you know, there's arguments to be made here. There's even really a green initiative to go with, right? Because now you can use all this old hardware and you don't need to, uh, you know, to keep buying new computers or new iPads or new, whatever. All right. Now, the caveat to that is that, well, you get everybody using, you know, Microsoft servers, Microsoft's going to have to make more servers and servers are, you know, there's, there's nothing environmental or environmentally friendly about server farms, quite the opposite, at least certainly at that scale. So again, there's arguments for and against, I mean, the big arguments against in enterprise for me, I just, I know how to do security. I think every, you know, uh, a company should know how to really handle its own security and do so very well and go with completely different models and run their own servers and not hand everything over to the tech giants. And, and that's not just like a philosophical bent. I mean, that's also a matter of practicality and security and privacy, which more privacy increases your level of security. Okay. But again, I can really see where this is attractive um, to, to, to the enterprise space. And, you know, some, I mean, the idea of accessing like a remote desktop from just a thin client at a desk or bench or something at a company, you know, and, and running windows off of in-house servers, not Microsoft Azure, but, you know, servers at the business on site, right. On-prem. Okay. You know, that's been being done for for decades now, for, for a very long time that that that's been done. So it's not like that's any, this is anything too new, but it's also the first time that you've ever really done it, you know, on Microsoft servers directly with Microsoft handling everything about the process. So again, I can see where this is attractive, uh, uh, you know, to the enterprise space. What does this mean for the consumer? And again, it's clear in Microsoft's own words, they're looking at the consumer. Is this something you should consider? The short answer is at present pricing. Absolutely not. Like you're, you could buy a computer in no time. Even if you paid the $20 a month for, for the shitty version uh, that, that you get with only two gig of Ram and 64 gig of storage, 
you know, through, through windows three or for windows 365 when it's like $20 a month. Okay. You can get a $200 computer that'll blow even those specs away. So no, that's not practical. It's not practical at all at these prices. It doesn't make sense for anybody to spend, you know, even a hundred dollars a month on a, you know, a hosted um, desktop on a remote desktop that's on Microsoft servers. But let's say the pricing made some kind of sense, right? Let's say that, I don't know, it was like they tossed it into an Office 365 um, bundle, you know, where it was $10 a month and you got Office 365, you got OneDrive and you got, you know, or a terabyte of OneDrive and you got uh, Windows 365 all for $10 a month. Let's say it was something like that. Does that make sense for the consumer? While that's certainly a more palatable price, uh, I still think that this is a bad idea for multiple reasons. One, when it comes to the consumer, is what happens when you don't have internet access? You don't have access to this machine. Like, this could never replace, you know, a, a, a desktop you know, or a laptop, you know, a device in front of you with the operating system natively installed right in front of you. Like it it just couldn't. And you're always going to be beholden to the bottleneck of internet speeds, which let's be clear here in most parts of the planet is not good enough to run a general purpose operating system. Cause it's not like, say you were able to get one that, you know, that has uh, the 32 gig of Ram and all this other stuff. What? I mean, you think you're going to be able to play games on that really well? You know, like what's, what's the point of having all that power? It's one thing to, you know, play games on X cloud or whatever. And, you know, sure. The quality kind of drops down, you know, and all this, I mean, you, you kind of expect that. Um, but you're probably also playing on X cloud because your system isn't powerful enough. That's local, right? Your local system, what's right in front of you, the computer in front of you, isn't that powerful. So it, it would defeat its own purpose. And you'd always have that bottleneck of the internet itself, the internet speeds, as well as do you have access? So I don't think this is practical for consumers um, at all. And do I see it? You know, I think the other question becomes, do I see it as the future of this is where computing is going? Yeah. Yeah. This is the, this is the direction that it's going. Um, and I mean, talk about a solution to the chip shortage, right? You know, don't need powerful computers. I mean, like if I was, <laughs> here's the thing, if I was Microsoft or even Apple, and I wanted to like tank NVIDIA, this is exactly what I'd do, right? I, I would make this a thing. Um, or even like xCloud, you know, all, like all these, you know, make cloud computing more and more a thing to where the computer at home doesn't even need to be that powerful. Um, but again, you know, there's lots of infrastructure still required to make this more of a reality. But But yeah, do I see this as a direction things are going? Yeah, sure. 5G would do very well with this, right? Because you have multiple points of uh, input and output, you know, of data. And so, you know, if you have 5G devices everywhere, then every laptop, you know, could have internet, even if internet went out, you know, one location, it could all just bounce around, kind of mesh network around on 5G. And then you would have access to, um, you know, to, to your virtual machine on Microsoft servers, in this case with Windows, you know, with Windows 365. Um, so I do think it's the direction that things are going. I don't think the future is here yet. And I think it is somewhat prohibitively cost 
to be able to test it first. You know, like I think a few years ago, um, Microsoft would have released this for everybody and it would have been at a stupid low price. But ever since OneDrive gate happened and they realized just how, when you tell people they have unlimited use for something and it's inexpensive, uh, you know, you realize how quickly, you know, your server farms can get fucked. Okay. Clearly Microsoft is also planning with this, with their putting server farms in the ocean, which they have been spearheading that. And I mean, ultimately this speaks to what I've been saying for many years on sovereign tech that eventually Microsoft wants Azure to ultimately be the operating system, right? They couldn't get it with Cortana. So now they're just going back to basics and doing it with windows. So all of your data is in their servers. That's what they wanted with their voice assistant Cortana originally. Right. And they wanted you to interact via voice and everything. Now they're just doing the same thing, but it's with windows, but they want you all on their servers. They want you not just locked into their ecosystem because of the software you have installed, but locked into their ecosystem because all of your data is on their servers. Every last ounce of it, even if you downloaded it from somewhere that wasn't Microsoft servers, that's the end game here. Microsoft wants total control of your digital life and they're heading in the direction to do it. And there's a part of me that gets a little conspiratorial that, you know, just the fuck up after fuck up. And boy, if you didn't listen to the latest security now where Steve Gibson just tore into Microsoft, it was awesome. And he basically said, Microsoft's got us by the balls like that. That was his, his end point. But like the fact that they're not like, they really don't want to do the ultimate fix for the print spooler problem. Uh, because you know, it's broken by design, (laughs) right? Uh, there's ultimately like, there, there's a part of me that really gets conspiratorial about this. And and I wonder if they're allowing all of these security fuck-ups to happen and not fixing some of them to eventually sell you on the idea of something like windows 365, where you're doing all of your computing in the cloud, everything, even the general operating system stuff. And that, you know, how does that play out for the consumer? Well, here's the thing. I mean, you can see this right now, say on a Windows 10 machine. Okay. And Windows 11 isn't going to be any better about this. So use Microsoft Defender, which is fine. If you're the everyday person using Windows, that's a good thing to have for security. But say like I download albums. There are so many times where, uh, where an album, a music album of MP3s that I download will show up as a false positive as being, uh, as having a virus. I have to turn off Microsoft Defender. Um, you know, and even then sometimes it'll come back. I have to unzip it quickly. Like it's crazy. The false positives I get on security, you know, but it points at that Microsoft to even with windows locally has ultimate control of what happens with, of, of what occurs with my data that I download consciously. Like I chose to download that album and Microsoft says, Oh no, no. Right. And that's why this at the, in the end would not be good for the consumer because you are going to lose control of your data. And all it takes is some copyright licensor or whatever to say, Hey, if you, I mean, this gets back to kind of like what was happening with iCloud. Sure. It just shows up as an MP3 just shows up as a hash. Oh, he's got this MP3, but nobody should have this MP3, uh, get, you know, delete it, Microsoft. And it gets deleted from your V machine, you know, from your virtual, from windows 365. This should never be a consumer play ever because you are handing over control. Remember, Oldest, one of the oldest sayings in sovereign textbook. I should make a book about this, but anyway, (laughs) one of my oldest sayings there, there's no such thing as the cloud. There's only someone else's computer. And if you buy into windows 365 business or consumer, if you buy into windows 365, you are doing nothing more than putting all of your shit 
on someone else's computer and not yours. And you've got to tell me that you're okay with that. I could see maybe very specific use cases, or maybe you think that that's a good idea. Okay. But for general purpose, the fuck no. Even in those specific use cases, I would say no way. Watch, you know, I mean, if people bought into this en masse, you know, like, I mean, torrenting would stop being a thing. I mean, you know, here's the rub. Like, this is never going to get 100% adoption. Even if, like, tomorrow, Microsoft said it's the only way for it to work. You're, you're going to have people that, you know, I mean, there's Linux, obviously. Um, there's already companies that are, you know, doing very well for themselves, making hardware, you know, laptops, desktops, whatever, specifically for you know, running open software. Okay. That's always going to be here, thankfully, but people have to choose it. And this is another case where we have, you know, I could, I could warn you years ago that what's happening with iCloud now was going to happen. And it did. It was already happening with other companies. Like I said, Apple's not the only one. There's no, there's no good guy here. Okay. As far as the tech giants go, I'm telling you now, that you want, if you're not already, start learning other operating systems, okay, and getting comfortable with them, because the day may come where, you know, you're not going to have a choice on this. I mean, I think a big part of why Microsoft is pushing with Windows 11, unless you're enterprise, uh, you know, why they're pushing you to make a Microsoft account is because slowly, this is the slippery slope slowly over the years, they're going to start offloading more and more processes of the operating system. Say windows 11, they're going to start porting it all or, you know, pushing it all to Azure. Okay. And then one day you're going to, you know, one day you're going to turn on your computer and it's going to say, welcome to your new cloud desktop environment. Okay. And you're just, again, it's the boiling frog, right? And you're just, you're going to wake up one morning and then, holy shit, you've lost your operating system. And then you've got to really go back and relearn anything, everything. Hopefully you were able to keep all of your data. You know, I mean, just that's, that's the direction you're going. Now, I mean, look, you know, doing this sort of thing, if there is an attraction, okay, to having like a remote desktop setup with my NAS, with my Synology NAS, I do that, you know, where I have so much um, uh, general computing that I do with my NAS, but that's mine. It's at my home. It's my server. It's my data. I say it's, you know, on my rules, my control. That's the difference. Okay. So you could argue that there's, there's, you know, where this kind of implementation makes sense, but then I would argue there's better ways to do it than Microsoft to where you keep control of your data. And if Microsoft ever wants to make the environmental case, I mean, give me a fucking break. There's a far better environmental, like I, I get, again, I can get the appeal to remote desktop to a thin client. I can get the appeals to that, but it's far less expensive resource intensive. And if you're concerned about the environment, which Bravo, okay. You know, environmentally, uh, uh, sound to run, you know, a low power, you know, little NAS. Okay. Or even if it's somewhat high powered, it's not going to be as, as, you know, uh, uh, it's not going to be as in intensive as say a desktop computer that, you know, everybody in your home can access and you can run, you can do photo backup on it. You can do chat on it. You can do, you know, uh, uh, 
make documents on spreadsheets and have, you know, run your music and your entire media library off of it and blah, 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 blah. And you can do all of that. Okay. Don't just, you know, if you wanted to go that route, go that route. Just don't trust your fucking data to the tech giants. That's, that's the moral of the story here. And windows 365 is the ultimate putting of trust in a tech giant and you can't trust them. So don't do it. Don't buy into this. Even if the cost is low, don't buy into this. You know, even like I, I mentioned xCloud, right? Um, or whatever Microsoft's calling it now or Xbox game pass, right? You know, there was a time where I thought like, this is a no brainer deal, $5 a month, whatever. And you get access to all these games. Why wouldn't you do it? Even that has proven the point that I am making here because now game pass has turned into like Netflix where certain months out of the year, they remove games. So now you don't really have access to all of those games anytime that you want them. Right. And so for me, that makes game pass uh, a horrible deal now, you know? And so I no, like, and, and that's, that's ultimately the way that all this goes is that, well, one, you, you know, one moment you have access to this, the next moment you don't. And that that's where all cloud computing, cloud storage, et cetera, leads, unless it is again, your own server that you're running. You can do it. Believe me. <laughs> some of the, some of the NAS options out there are so dead ass simple. Um, I mean, I, go for it, give it a shot or again, do everything locally, you know, device to device, connect everything with USB and do it old school. Okay. The, the cloud revolution, as it were, is not a revolution for the people. Don't fall for it. So with that, I think we'll wrap this thing up. Um, yeah, I mean, again, turn, turn off iCloud backup. Uh, don't go for windows 365. Even if you're a business really explore how can you take more control of your data? Okay. And do so securely. Um, I recently did an episode, got a lot of great response from it. I did an episode, um, that's all about ransomware. Okay. And about, you know, how to, how to circum, you know, how to deal with ransomware and avoid it entirely. Actually, uh, go check that out if you haven't. And if I think of it, I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes, but it was titled uh, resolving ransomware. That's it. Um, just came out recently. So anyway, that's it. We'll wrap this. Like I said, we'll wrap this one up. Um, just, just stay away from the stuff. <laughs> I don't know how many more times I can say it. And more sovereign tech to come. Of course, uh, please feel free. If you appreciate the work being done here, I think you can agree. No one else is saying this stuff quite like this. Uh, please don't hesitate to, to donate to the show. Like I said, I don't do these drives often and it would be a massive help. Uh, it's all in the show notes, cash app, Venmo, Bitcoin, or get in touch with me. If there's some other way you'd like to donate, uh, just again, sovereign tech's been banned from PayPal. Uh, so can't do anything about that, but with that, thank you so much in advance. Thank you as always for being out there and listening and, uh, helping make this entire tech world, technological dystopia. We live in a little more secure with your actions. I will see all of you woo, on the other side.